The following interview is from December 15th, 2020. Hey there, I'm here with Elijah Hu. He's a PNW sourced artist that's been regarded as being at the forefront of the lo-fi community. And if you have ever tuned into a 24 hour study music live stream, you'd find that his music is as much of a staple there as anime girls studying at desks. With hundreds of millions of views and 1.6 million monthly listeners on Spotify alone, he's solidified his place as an artist and has carved out a niche for himself in an otherwise cutthroat sect of internet housed music. Elijah Hu, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, waking up, but uh, happy, to, happy to be here. And I'm sorry in advance for this uh, corny play on your name, but for those wondering at home, who is Elijah who? No, don't even worry about it. I get it like all the time. Um, yeah, uh, my name is Elijah. I'm uh, a music producer, I guess. Uh, I have kind of been doing this sort of thing since like, what, three, three and a half, four years now, I think. So like a bit, it's been a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just started it as like a hobby and it has like luckily turned into something that I'm, I'm able to like sustain myself on. So yeah. But not just that, you're also a Portlander at heart as you've made apparent through some subtle nods to the City of Roses in the cover arts of your projects. In fact, uh, your 2018 EP, Everything All at Once, even features the Rose Test Garden as its visual accompaniment. Is there anything that particularly drew you to use a place like that for the EP's artwork? Uh, it's true. I, I love Portland a lot. That's definitely like kind of my place, I think, like in the world. So um, I think just the Rose Test Garden, like. Uh, that was just a place I went a lot while I was like, cause when I lived in the Northwest, I like didn't like live properly in Portland, but I was like driving distance. So when I would go there, I'd always try to make sure to go to like all my favorite spots. And, like that was one of them. Um, it's just like very calming and like, there's not, it's not like too busy. I think that photo was taken like late spring, early fall, I think. Um, and so like. There wasn't like a bunch of people out there and I was just like, you know, taking a nice like walk around and like, uh, it's just a very, very quiet place, like good views. Um, yeah, it's, it's very comfortable for me, which is great. With your relatively newfound success, you've broken your Oregonian borders and have played a couple shows in states beyond uh, New York and California to name a few. With a reputation for meticulously curating, sampling, and producing such chill sounds, what does an Elijah Who live session typically entail? It's true, but uh, it's funny that you bring that up because I've played maybe two or three shows, I think, in like my entire like like music production, whatever. And I mean, it, it's mostly just uh, sort of like a live like DJ set. But I've definitely come to discover that's like not at all <laughs> what I like doing. That's definitely not my thing. Um, being on tour, I was touring with my friend Peachy, who is like a, a great producer, a really good performer, like really fun to watch. 
and uh yeah that's that's not something uh i can do so on paper it's like a real good like fun dj set type thing but uh more in practice it, it it's very like hard for me i don't know how the audience like feels they were they were really nice it seemed like everyone was just like having fun kind of relaxed whatever but like yeah that's a I don't think that's something I'm gonna really be known for. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that you like, yeah, that you know about that. That's very rare. <laughs> now, with those considered to be in the lo-fi scene, it seems that there's this almost enigmatic shroud surrounding those that produce the content. How do you continuously make yourself stand out despite that metaphorical veil? Yeah, um, I honestly don't know. I think... I was just lucky enough to kind of be like uh so like i producers that really are kind of like in the scene usually describe kind of a timeline of like first wave like second wave and now we're kind of in like third wave and i think i was just lucky to be on the rise of the second wave um which is where a lot of the staple people kind of came out that's where you get like ginseng and like tampa beats and like Evie uh, beside you like a lot of those people were like very late first wave or like early second wave and so I think I was just very fortunate with timing but uh, I mean as it, as it goes like today I just try to be super honest and uh, I don't know not not say too much I think yeah You've really made a name for yourself as a bastion of the lo-fi genre and are even considered to be a relatively household name for those who enjoy the style. Uh, when did you realize that your tracks were starting to really gain heat? I, yeah, I think I can literally like bring this down to like a specific day. I think it was like February 2nd of like 2017, which is when the YouTube channel Anime Vibe, which like everyone was like grinding to get like an Anime Vibe like video, like when it like was starting out, that was like the thing, that was the major like outlet. And so I was really lucky to get an upload like on their channel pretty early on. Um, and like from that date, like forward, I was watching, you know, before my, my SoundCloud was getting maybe like, you know, a couple followers, uh, a week you know I get like maybe 20 new followers a week and from that it was like 20 a day it just like immediately like uh brought a lot of people kind of uh I don't know it it was it was a very very helpful uh promotion and like post and I think that without that opportunity I would not be where I am right now has that music making process always been a passion of yours or did that really kick off with the start of your online presence? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was always having a lot of fun making it. Um, like, it kind of grew out of more like, uh, like I felt like I wasn't doing much like in my personal life. And so I was like, I need to start like a hobby. I need to get something like going. So I, you know, and not just sitting around all the time. Um, and so it kind of started from that and it very quickly became like a passion of mine. And I think I definitely went through like a burnout 
but I'm I'm really happy because like recently I'm finally getting back into it like it's been like months of like burnout and now I'm finally sitting down like every day or like every other day and being like oh I have an idea I'm gonna try this I'm gonna make this I'm gonna like da 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 so I think it's like uh yeah I would say it's a passion it's kind of a stressful passion uh, sometimes but yeah definitely and going back to that idea of online presence it's no doubt that through the internet uh, lo-fi has gained a ton of steam in the past few years in regards to when that all started a lot of people have really cited 2016 as the blasting off year for the genre um, as someone who has been there since somewhat the start of this recent wave how have you seen the community change over the past few years? It has been, uh, yeah, I can I can cite like one like fundamental difference definitely um, from when I started until now, which I wouldn't say is like a bad thing necessarily, but like since I've started up until now, there's been a huge shift in like trying to get a placement on like a community ran kind of promotion thing like there are various like blogs and like youtube channels and stuff and now the attention has completely shifted into making what spotify editors will like and listen to and what will catch their ear and get you a placement on one of these like lo-fi playlists or whatever on spotify because that is where that's where it can very quickly become uh, easy to boost your numbers or easy to you know start making some money like on on music and so I mean it's it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think it's uh, it's kind of clearly dividing who is like in it just more for numbers and for money and who is more uh, I don't know who's more in it like just for the love of like making the music because I mean definitely there was a whole thing within the community of like some artists uh supposedly like creating fake aliases just to get like playlist placements and it's like you know if, if you like that would never happen if it was just about you know getting on a YouTube blog or something like I don't think people would go that far and so that's really like the biggest shift I've seen is uh, lo-fi has become a lot more commercial, I think, at this point, which is cool. But I also think it's good because it's pushing a lot of the people that started out as like just making like kind of typical, like what you think of when you hear lo-fi. It's pushing a lot of them into making newer stuff and, and different stuff and really cool stuff. Like, you know, you hear like Patsu or whatever and Happy plays like He's, he's like a multi-instrumentalist like doing amazing like jazz covers and stuff or like Kudasai is now like moving to like future beats and like it's uh you know it's a big shift and it's uh kind of alienating in some ways but it's it's really I think it's good for the community as a whole I don't know that was really long now I keep referring to you as a lo-fi artist but you've hinted at this title being something that was more bestowed upon you by your audience than something that you personally chose. Um, if not lo-fi, what genre would you consider yourself to be? I don't know. I'm just trying to uh, make whatever I'm interested in at like any point in time. And I think I've mostly 
kind of an open when people ask me about that. They're like, oh, you know, I want you to make more lo-fi or whatever. I'm like, hey, it's cool that you like what I made, but I kind of just make what I like, you know, at the time. So being called lo-fi is fine because I talk about this with my friends a lot where it's like, you know, the average listener, not at all to like talk down or anything, but like the average listener will not have like super advanced knowledge of like subgenres and like you know all these like weird terms that are being thrown around by the people making the music they will just kind of have a more like broad label and so anything that's like sounds like lo-fi to them they'll just call it lo-fi which is totally fine because if that's how they identify you and that's how they find and are able to like enjoy your music is by like calling you lo-fi and then they find other artists that they enjoy and they just kind of consider that like in the realm of lo-fi like there's no problem with that, you know, at all. Like that's that's great, and I'm I'm glad that they uh, have a way to like refer to me. Um, but I mean, as for myself personally, I don't think I really am like. I mean, I would prefer to not be like stuck in one genre. You know, I really like experimenting with, with different things. So, in another uh, hypothetical universe where you could be the king of any genre. What genre would you pick and why? Wow. Um, that's hard. Probably, I don't know. I would love to be like, like math rock. Like I'm way into like very, uh, I don't know. Math rock is just like big for me. Like I love like weird time signatures and like very like smooth guitars and stuff like way, way into it. I think it would be really cool to, to be able to play like that. Like, I was never that good, though, so um, probably not in this universe. It's probably not happening, but in an alternate one, I would go for math rock. Now, for whatever reason, it seems that um, your brand of music and AMVs go hand in hand, uh, and your songs posted on YouTube are no exception. I've seen your tracks alongside clips from Sword of the Stranger, Wind Rises, and even Dragon Ball. Uh, does Elijah Who have a favorite anime? That's, yeah, so I used to be like way, way into it, I think. And uh, I kind of fell off, but like, as far as like series, like definitely I would say Mob Psycho season one, like was amazing. And I never got through season two, but season one was so, so great. That was like what really got me into it. Um, as far as like movies, uh, there's a really like good one um, on Netflix called Flavors of Youth, which I thought was really cool. It's like very just like simple, like slice of life, whatever, but super beautiful. Like, um, and uh, one of the stories like takes place in Shanghai. So it's kind of cool to see something that like takes place in a place I've lived. So that's, that's really sick. Speaking of which, another anime I've seen tied to your music is Castle of Cagliostro, which is often paired with one of your earlier mixes, your rendition of Made in Tokyo's Skateboard P. This particular track seems to be constantly on and off YouTube. Are there any hopes of this seeing an official streaming release anytime soon? An official release? Actually, I don't know. Um... I actually have been pretty fortunate and I'm, I'm working recently with Made in Tokyo on like some original work, more like jazzy type stuff, but um, I haven't ever properly talked to him I think about that, like he knows about the, the remix which is cool, 
I think the issue more is like uh, there's like another feature from Big Sean I think on that song and so I'd have to go through that and he's on like UMG I think so that that's gonna be a real like uphill battle but um I mean it's not impossible that's great it's not like totally like off the table so so that topic of sampling actually leads me into another question um you've sampled everyone from Ella Fitzgerald in Crush on You I've got a crush on you to the Migos in Sad and Bougie what makes something jump out at you as I want to sample that I don't know it's usually like something about the the energy in the original song I think um, like yeah I've, I've definitely been all over the place with samples I've been sampling like you know Brazilian jazz and like uh, I have a song where I sampled like a small guitar section from like a Japanese like punk song like it's all kind of about how the original song makes me feel when I'm like listening to it and it, if, if it's something that is like enjoyable or something that I can like understand you know then uh, I think it's more likely to be something I want to work with definitely something that i've always wondered about in regards to sampling is that's right you guessed it the fun and glamorous world of copyright um we've seen some worst case scenarios of heavy-handed enforcement in the cases of say frank ocean versus the eagles or juice world versus sting but many counter this with the argument of fair use what's your take maybe from a moral standpoint on such a seemingly hot button topic as reworking sampled material. Um, yeah, I think if you want to talk about it from like a moral standpoint, I think that there's nothing like wrong with it on paper. Like as long as it's because uh, what fair use constitutes, like it has to be transformative, I think. And so like as long as it's like transformative, because I mean, I've got some old stuff that I think probably like, it's not on like streaming or anything, but like I got some old stuff where I was like, no, like that's probably not it. That's probably not it. It all depends on like how creative you get with the sample, I think. Cause uh, definitely like in the last year or two, I've been pushing myself to get more creative with samples because if it's not transformative, then what what is the point, you know? Otherwise what you're making will probably just sound like a watered down version of like the original song. So you have to like find a way to make that into your own. Otherwise, yeah, it's probably not, probably not the best thing for you to be doing, you know, just like morally, like as, as a musician, um, it has to be you and it has to sound like you. Uh, you can't just take the song and put some drums on it and put it on Spotify and like call it done, you know? Since we're talking about that whole creative process, uh, do you have any top secret projects in the works that we should keep an eye out for? Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on like a short EP. It's probably not going to be so much like, you know, chill, like study beats, but it is kind of like in that lo-fi realm, like uh, in a way. So hopefully that's going to 
I'm like discussing with my like distribution people that like hopefully it will be on streaming like early next year and then like final release like March or April which is cool because I haven't done a vinyl since like 2017 or something like that like it's been a while so um final release that's going to be cool uh I'm really trying to produce for more artists I've got uh one really cool thing that that might be coming out like early January, February. So if that if that doesn't fall through, I'm definitely gonna be talking about it like everywhere, you know. So not not gonna miss that one. As we uh, wrap things up here, I wanted to see if you might have any final words of wisdom for those who are trying to get into the producing game. Yeah, um, from like a technical standpoint, I would say number one, work on mixing and mastering. Cause like it doesn't have to be the most amazing thing ever you know it could totally be something where you're just starting out and it's a pretty like simplistic song but if it sounds good like people will listen to it so the most important thing like the sound i think is more important than the elements of the song you know i i think to myself a lot it's not so much like what you're making but more of like how you use those elements and kind of like you know, how they all sound together. That's very, very important. More than making some insanely complicated, like convoluted song. Um, and from more like a, like kind of getting into the scene thing, it's just like, you know, make friends, like make friends with people that you enjoy listening to. And if you are not like a real fan of them and you're not really gonna like support them and they're not really gonna like support you, like they might, they might not be like the best person to, hang around with you know you really have to have people that are going to be you know like for you and people that you're for them you know otherwise I don't think it's gonna like it's gonna be a lot harder it's gonna be a lot harder if you don't have a group of that you can find Elijah Who on Instagram via at Elijah Who and you can find his stuff on anywhere that plays good music uh Elijah Who thanks for joining us yeah thank you for having me